Hello, and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Linux. Uh, Linux. Yeah. Linode. <laughs> which has a high-performance SSD Linux servers. <laughs> and direct mail and express vpn i'm Samantha rochefort i'm a video producer at polygon.com and i'm here with christina warren senior cloud developer advocate and brianna has destroyed her voice by doing so much call time so she's not going to be joining us today it's just us it's just us we miss you brie we love you party with simone and christina indeed Indeed. Um, I will say real quick at the at the top, because uh, I know Bree kind of wanted to mention this. There's like lots of terrible things happening in the world, which are just good reminders to vote. Yes. Vote this year. Vote next year. Just vote, period. Period. Yeah. Like, I don't care what country you're in, like what you do, like even if your beliefs are completely different from mine, um, vote. Yep. Make it happen. Hold people, hold people accountable who you have voted into office for the things that you wanted them to do. Ah, and on that note, we are, even though it's me and Christina, we are not going to talk about, like, Elizabeth Holmes the whole time. The whole time. Um, Not the whole time. I mean, you know. Let's start with a recap of Microsoft Build, which is where you were last week. Yes. And we were all going to talk about it together, but now now it's just you and me, baby. Now it's just, yes. Okay, so... It was a it was a good event. Um, it was in uh, it was in Seattle, your your old home, my current home. Weeps. Uh, I did uh, the build live thing again, kind of like I did last year. Uh, I actually did a lot more kind of like on the floor uh, kind of live hit stuff, which was cool. Actually, you would have really dug this. My uh, colleague Paul DeCarlo, who is like just this genius, like badass, he came up with this demo where he used RetroArch and he used like various containers and and other stuff. Anyway, you can take a screenshot of a video game and then use um, our like uh, translation services, like our, 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 like, uh, I guess, uh, like image recognition, like translation services to translate the text of a retro video game. (gasps) What? Wow. Yeah. So he'll like, so he'll like take a screenshot of like dialogue or, or whatever um, press a button, it'll run it through the translator and then output it to another screen where you'll see the image, but with the, um, like, text Into, in a different language overlay. language. That's exactly. so cool. Yeah. Wow. So, like, that, because in his whole impetus was he was like, I want to be able to play Japanese RPGs. Was that your favorite thing that you saw at Build? I mean, that was close to it. I have to be honest. My favorite thing, and I was saying this to people, they're like, oh, you're Microsoft show, whatever. I'm like, no, if I worked at Mashable, like most mainstream of mainstream place, I would have fought and won. I will I, I, I will say ah. the ability to write. So we announced, there were a couple, like the Visual Studio Code team had a bunch of stuff. And most of it had been announced the week before, but they announced some really big things, which was really exciting. But the, my favorite thing actually came from like the Windows team. So, uh, or the, the tooling team. So there's a new version of WSL, which is the Windows subsystem for Linux. There's going to be a, a version two that will be out. And what that basically lets you do is it has like, it, basically we're going to be shipping like a full like version of like a full Linux kernel alongside um, Windows. And the new version, because uh, basically how it's worked before is that you can run like a Linux shell and kind of like get an environment within Windows, but have full access to like the actual like Linux mm-hmm. you know, tool chain and stuff. Um, but there have been some some things that were really good about the first version, but like 
they didn't kind of let you interact with with the files alongside like your Windows stuff. And there was some slowdown for some IO things. They're speeding all that up and you will be able to access um, uh, files uh, both places and it'll be um, like, there'll be like native Docker support, all kinds of really cool things. But the the part that, so that's, I'm super excited about for, for Debbie stuff. But the thing I'm like genuinely the most excited about, I'm going to send you this link, Simone, because the YouTube video is so good. Uh, is mm-hmm. We're coming out with the new version of like, the Windows terminal, like the command line. What? So right now on on Windows, like there's CMD, like the DOS era, like command prompt, right? There's PowerShell, which is now a cross-platform kind of other tooling thing. And then if you have like WSL or whatever, you can have like Bash um, or, or or whatever, like 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 on on Linux. And they've redesigned the they're like modernizing the terminal, so it'll all be you can have like a different tab. For each different interface, it's like modern. It's it's hot. Let me find it one second. Um, oh my god, <laughs> it's a hot terminal, right, Christina? I know, I know. <laughs> it is so oh. hot, and it's, the beat was pounding. I was sweating. I know. I know. I know. Uh, no, it, it's so good. The video is so good. No, it is open source. So I'm not even gonna lie. Like I saw this, and I like ran over to that booth, and I was talking with with uh with with rich and with kayla on that team and matthew who are, who's on that team i was talking with all of them and i was like um this is the greatest thing ever and everybody was asking me like what was your favorite thing at building like the terminal <laughs> like, like dead like 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 dead ass and there are people like really i'm like no I, i'm sorry this is and and i i like i said i would have successfully won like at mashable i would have been like no we're we're doing I, i'm gonna write something's like the the new Windows terminal is the most exciting thing I've seen in years or something like that. I would have yeah. some stupidly ridiculous, like hyperbolic title. Or and the I would sexiest won. thing I've seen in years. Sexi- Absolutely. Exactly. That probably would have been like a good option. And people, would, and I would have gotten editor like blowback. And I'm like, hey, you can't write this. I'm like, no, we're going to. And then what would have <laughs> happened is it like, it would have been like a very popular post. And I would have been like, see, I'm not the only one who cares about this. So. Apparently, well, one million, one million one hundred fifty five thousand other people also care a lot about it according to the views on that video yeah and i'm gonna read the comments as soon as we're done recording this podcast yeah shockingly not not i mean pretty good actually you yeah know, all right. for youtube shall we move into our news portion of the week we should huh? well our first story is interesting news for apple so if you'll remember uh, a while ago, we were talking about an antitrust suit that had been filed against Apple. And now the Supreme Court has said that the uh, defendant in that case can sue Apple for um, antitrust violations uh, as a monopoly uh, in their running of the App Store. They decided that it does seem that when we buy apps on the App Store, we're buying them directly from Apple rather than from the developers with Apple as a mediary who runs exactly. the platform. Exactly. Because because as we'd said before, like the big thing was that Apple was arguing under the Brick Doctrine that the only people who could sue them would be like the developers, like the developer was their customer, not the end user. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is this is interesting, and there's obviously years and years until there are legal results on this, because now it's just being kicked back down to a lower court so they can uh, do their research and everyone presents their side. Um, I'm still, I, I, I do understand completely the argument that 
were buying from Apple and not the developers. Because when I think about what the developers are buying from Apple in that scenario, that doesn't really check out to me. And even though I don't, I don't really think that I'm buying from Apple, it still makes, it still seems more justifiable to me than the other way around. That being said, I still just really, really struggle with the entire premise of this lawsuit, which is that Apple is unfairly driving up prices of apps. I 1000% agree. And I think what my argument had been when we talked about this before, um, and I don't remember, I mean, I remember us talking about it. I'm pretty sure my argument then was I was like, they should be able to sue, but this is not a monopoly. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. Like, like they're like they should have the right to to try to take this to court, but the court should be able to be like, no, this is not an actual monopoly. Like, this is not that's not what this is. Because I felt like Apple's kind of reading of the rules here. I'm like, okay, that I don't quite get because you can't buy from any other place, right? Like, your agreement is with Apple. If you're getting a refund, it's from Apple. Apple's ultimately taking the money from the developer, but but whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's yeah. You know, and and yes, and and Apple is right in the sense the developers are setting their own prices, but also there's like a minimum of ninety nine cents, and and there are you know you you can't have like very specific like settings like in the United States you can't charge a dollar forty nine you know like it's it's mm-hmm. um you know like it's not granular in that way and 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 whatnot, but yeah, I, I'm with you like I this is not I, I don't see it as a monopoly or if it were I mean it's a platform just like I think any other thing would be I mean like there's there are security reasons why it's imperative to have these things. That's why this worries me because it, assuming that they do uh, that in the end, you know, five, six years from now, Apple is forced to like change its model um, for the sake of, of this. Like, how does that happen without opening a little bit the sandbox that is the app store and creating security loopholes for the consumers it's supposed to protect? It doesn't. And in fact, I mean, we talked about this before, too. That already sort of exists in the sense of, you know, enterprise IDs where, you know, companies, we saw this with Facebook and Google when when mm-hmm. their apps were, were um, uh, temporarily like their internal employee apps were unable to be signed and, and, uh, you know, people at Facebook couldn't access, you know, like their, their, uh, lunch menus or, you know, maps, like schedules to get buses around campus or things Mm -hmm. like that, because they've been distributing their like privacy, like breaking VPN thing to teens using an enterprise certificate that they happen to use for their internal apps, um, as a way to get around the distribution problem. Because Apple was like, we're kicking this app out of the app store because it violates our guidelines. And then Facebook's like, oh, but we have this certificate that'll allow all these people to sideload this in a way and bypass those, you know, restrictions and install them this way using our, our enterprise certificate that offers, you know, some different capabilities. And then when Apple ca- caught on to that, they were like, oh, well, no, we're just going to revoke the certificate. And that ended up revoking a bunch of other apps. What that kind of underscored was that there is already kind of this shadow market of people who have created these unofficial distribution channels for apps that Apple wouldn't accept in the app store that can have actual privacy <laughs> security, you know, holes. Because what we see all the time is usually it's, it's with piracy related things. It's usually with, with you know, like uh, for, for illegal TV, not illegal, but I guess like, well, illegal in the sense that it's 
like breaking copyright, not like, you know, yeah. um, uh, other stuff. Like, but, you know, like, a, a, um, you know, uh, streaming services or other things that would not be allowed in or maybe even like emulators or, or whatever, like stuff that just would not be allowed in the app store and maybe services that, that are, you know, skirting, you know, certain like regulatory things like like these companies will get an enterprise certificate, will make the app and will distribute it across the internet. And people will install it and then if that certificate gets revoked then they just find another one and find other ways to distribute things. And it's like a a game of whack-a-mole that it doesn't seem like Apple's like super like keen on necessarily yeah. <laughs> policing, right? So there's already kind of this shadow market and in China it's even bigger and that's actually been a way where some malware and stuff has been spread is that people will get copies of like, you know, enterprise uh, like uh, uh, certificates and and then, you know, spread apps that way. So there's been kind of this, this shadow thing and it has had security impacts, right? I mean, the Facebook thing is a perfect example. That VPN thing, Apple said that wasn't, that 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 violated it, the rules of being in the app store. Do you think so, that these these cases of like the shadow market already existing? Do you think that that will crop up in the case? And if so, will it help or hurt Apple? I don't know. I mean, that's interesting. I, I think that Apple would make the argument, and I don't think it would be an invalid one that uses it that way are explicitly against why the enterprise certificates exist. Mm-hmm. And and so they can't be held, res- and and then they can also show that by removing and revoking those certificates that they are actively, you know, policing that whether mm-hmm. they really are or aren't, um, because you know they need to have that mechanism there for uh, companies who are doing sort of beta testing or doing internal things or doing other stuff like that might have like like a uh, uh, um, uh, like a mobile device management where you're like okay we're restricting you know access to these sorts of things or this sort of data can be accessible by your employer but all this other stuff is completely secure like that's a necessary thing of of having devices especially if you have a big fleet of things or getting government certifications like there's valid reasons why that stuff mm-hmm. has to exist. Yeah. And I think Apple could make the argument, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I would think that they could make the argument, we're not using this as like a, a wink and a nudge way of getting around this. When we find people using this, you know, nefariously, we step in. Yeah, because um, security is our right, quote unquote. Exactly, <laughs> is exactly. Right, but 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 I guess my, my point is though, yeah, I mean that, we already see what that happens with this, this kind of shadow way. If yeah. this became then you know, like an acceptable thing where somebody was like, oh, you have to have the option like Android does where you can sideload and install from third-party sources. Why? Then, <laughs> then that would be, that would be really bad, right? Like that would be really bad. And and I also think that it goes just beyond Apple, right? Because if this were to apply to Apple, then it also has to apply to Nintendo and to Xbox yep. and to Sony. And, you know, like there are a lot, this whole idea of having like, you know, a platform kind of like having, you know, a a gatekeeper me like one centralized place where you get things is not um, unique. Um, And I mean, I think the thing too is if the argument is about price fixing, like they're claiming the prices are being artificially increased. That is, I mean, any developer that you're going to talk to is actually going to be like, actually, they should the be more expensive. Put, yes, to exactly. be perfectly store, real. <laughs> the, the app store has has actively and consistently and persistently pushed prices yeah. down to the point that Apple would argue, well, more developers get more money than ever, and we've widened the pie and this and that. And okay, fine, but 
it's also made it much harder to be sustainable. Yeah. Um, if you're directly selling apps, it's like an indie developer, you know, like when the app store opened, and I mean, I think that this would be, you know, Apple's like primary case. They let companies set their prices and companies set prices at like $10 for a game. Right? Yeah. This was when the app store first launched, like, like super funky ball was $10. Um, now most apps are free. And then there are in-app purchases which are at people's discretion. I really wonder, I wonder if it's possible, and this is my non-legal knowledge coming in, I wonder if it's possible for them to lose on price. But no, I know I really don't think they're going to lose on price because like you said, it's so obvious that apps are much less expensive and there's so much evidence that apps are less expensive than they technically should be because of all the work uh, that goes into them and the time that goes into them. Um, and what really peeves me about this, uh, reading from The Verge now, the plaintiffs want Apple to offer partial refunds on all paid iPhone apps uh, to compensate all the purchasers, wherever they may be, who bought iPhone apps for their iPhones at any time since the phone was introduced in 2007. And they also want Apple to allow alternative methods of buying apps. So that first part is complete. BS garbage that should be put in a dumpster. Apps are so cheap. Um, like I'm, maybe they're maybe they're referring specifically to like enterprise apps. Like no, um, no, no, just because, all apps. Yeah, because even enterprise apps. Again, how that usually works is Apple wouldn't even get a cut of some of those. Like think about it. That would be like a service thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like they have a free app in the App Store. You sign in with it, but you have a contract that you're getting from someone else that is charging you a fee, right? Yeah. Like at this point, Netflix even doesn't have an app purchase, right? Like you could make the arguments. The consumer couldn't, but like Spotify, for instance, has, you know, filed the EU complaint against Apple saying that they prioritize Apple Music over Spotify and that the 30%, you know, um, a cut that Apple takes um, has, you know, forced them to like cuts into their own, um, you know, money. Um, and so, you know, they would have to charge more for Apple, um, subscribers, people who subscribe through, you know, signed up using Apple versus people who sign up through their website. Um, and, uh, you know, Netflix never charged more, but, uh, that was clearly, I'm sure Mm -hmm. part of why you can no longer sign up and pay for Netflix through the app store, like you have to go to Netflix.com and sign up and pay for it. And then you can download the Netflix app and sign in and do it, right? Yeah. But like, that's not the argument. Like, like if, if you were, if you had people like Spotify and Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, great example where you can't even, Amazon's like, you can no longer buy, you can't buy a Kindle book from the Kindle app because Apple would want a 30% cut and Apple won't even let Kindle have a hyperlink to their website so that you can buy a book on the website and then open it up in the Kindle app. Like Apple doesn't allow that. They're like, if you want to have a link, if you want to buy anything, we get a 30% cut of all of it. But if it's a physical good, then we don't get a cut. But if it's digital, we do. Like that I believe is, is, is something that you could kind of be like, okay, I don't know if this is a Mm -hmm. fair trade off or not. Although again, there are workarounds and your option is always to be like, no, we are going to require people to you know, go around this. I personally feel like Apple can say I want this cut, but they're, they should be allowed to have like a hyperlink that takes them to a website so that people can have that option. Maybe but like, that again, can be the alternative method. <laughs> right. But what's I'm saying, right? But like that, but, but 
like Spotify is not somebody who's going to be suing here or or or, or Netflix or, or or Amazon. Like it's consumers who are like Spotify and all these places are are charging us too much money. Candy Crush charges me too much money. It's like no, no, they like, don't. I'm no, sorry. No, they don't. Like my position like on this is this. very firm. <laughs> Yeah, same. I, I'm like, I so I mean, it's it's interesting to see what'll happen. I'm kind of of the opinion, I mean, that maybe this is just naive of me. I'm like, I don't think this is gonna go that far in terms of those lawsuits, right? And certainly, especially when you think about it, this be a class action thing. Oh, which means God. that if it did happen, we would all get about nine cents, right? And I mean, yeah. and this is why the lawyers, whoever people who've been fighting this all this time, want this because they they look at this like, ooh, there are a billion, you know, um, uh, iOS users and or iOS devices, and and you know, we could probably say that you know, two hundred million, you know, people in the U.S. could be com- potential plaintiffs, and that's why we want this because we can make that multiple and and make a, a bunch of money. But all of us, again, like we'd get like nine cents. Okay, great. Um, and there was a price fixing, uh, thing with, uh, uh, ebooks that both Apple, um, that, that Apple did have to settle, um, a number of years ago. Um, and that one was not insubstantial. It depended how much you got back depended on how many books you'd had. And, and I don't remember how much I got. So a lot of romance readers got a lot of money. Yeah. I got like 75 bucks or something. Wow, I think because I had a Christina. Well, but I probably spent like, you know. Hundreds of dollars, yeah, exactly. Um, and and that was that that, that was apologize there, for there, my yawning. It is it's early in the morning here. <laughs> it is because there was like collusion of, apparently there between you know like Amazon and and, and Apple to set you yeah. know pricing with publishers or something. I don't remember the details, but anyway, like I actually got money back on that. But this was not one of those. Yeah, cases. we're not going to get anything from this. And frankly, I do think that it's going to be it, bad for security if Apple loses and also bad for developers if Apple loses. So, but again, we'll be talking about this again in like five years because we have to wait for results. Yeah, we have to wait for somebody to actually bring a lawsuit forward, right? Like this, all this, all this is saying like, because a lot of the things I've read have been like, really like, like the sky is falling. This is going to change everything. It's like, no, no, not yet. Like th- this just allows them to sue. Now, I I do stand firmly by, like I said before. I was like, I mean, I, they can bring the lawsuit, right? But sure, the yeah. merits of it are are to me like completely pointless. Yeah, I guess if if they do sue and then Apple wins, then this would set a precedent, especially if if it comes out in the in the process that apps are actually underpriced. I'm interested in seeing what the results of that turn out to be. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud. And you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. Linode serve their customers with the help of 10 data centers around the globe, and they're about to add more. They are adding Mumbai in India and Toronto, Canada. Uh, They'll both have data centers before 2020, baby. That's actually incredibly soon. I don't know if you know. Linode features native SSD storage, a 40 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors, uh, meaning you're able to serve your customers even faster than before. 
And so that you don't have to stress about overspending, Linode have designed their pricing tiers to feature hourly billing with the added bonus of a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services such as backups and node balancers. So if you're interested, well, you should know they have pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at just one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. Boom, simple, a simple one to five transaction, easy. And they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And Linode have a special offer for you, my friends. As a listener of Rocket, you can go to linode.com slash rocket and use the promo code rocket2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. So on the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that's four free months of service. And they have a seven-day money-back guarantee, so you've got nothing to lose, folks. You can give Linode a try today. You can go to linode.com slash rocket and use the promo code rocket2019. As I said, to learn more, sign up, make the most of that $20 credit. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash rocket. And the numbers, rocket2019, our year. Uh, thank you so much, Linode, for supporting this show and Relay FM. Hoorah. Well, more bad news. (laughs) But, you know, you should be relieved because the bad news on this show isn't like about the personhood uh, of human beings and whether they are people at all. Uh, It's about horrible security violations (laughs) that will endanger all of your information. Uh, So a new class of vulnerabilities were found in Intel chips again. Um, they're basically, they're in the vein of the Meltdown and Spectre violations, uh, both of which we have covered on this show because so many bad things happen during the run of this show. Christina, can you give us a rundown of how this works? Yeah, so this was something that um, various security researchers um, found, um, basically going back to all Intel chips, uh, going back to 2011. Um, and unlike uh, Meltdown and Spectre. A horrible date range, can I just mention? Uh, yeah, exactly. So basically means unless you have like a an, a, a cheese grater Mac Pro, uh, like I, I can't think of any computers that I've used that wouldn't, you know, most people who are listening to this are going to have because it's like going back eight years. So it, that's a really long time. Um, unlike Meltdown and Spectre, um, AMD and ARM chips are not vulnerable. So that means your iPhone, your iPad, your Android devices, assuming they're ARM-based. Um, and if you happen to be one of the people out there who has an, an AMD um, uh, based uh, computer, which admittedly is not many people, you might have an AMD like graphics card, but you probably don't have an AMD CPU. Those are not impacted, um, but those were impacted, I believe, to some extent by Meltdown Spectre. But anyway, AMD was at least. Um, but uh, these these are just uh, melt uh, just Intel. It's called zombie load, and it's a side channel attack that um, basically um, has uh, various bugs um, that will allow um, a certain amount of data um, that the processor um, like can't understand. I'm going to kind of summarize from what TechCrunch yeah, yeah. is. Zach Whitaker wrote. I just want people to know that if I'm reading this, this is 
what Zach wrote, not me, because this was very succinctly said. So it takes its name from a zombie load, which is an amount of data that the processor can't understand or properly process. And that forces the processor to then ask for help from um, various microcode within the processor in order to prevent a crash. And so usually apps can only see their own data, but this bug lets that data bleed across the boundaries of, of those walls. And so it Zombie basically leaks any of that data that's currently being loaded by the processor's core, um, and so research um, and and so basically, you could see like what's happening. So the the researchers created this um, proof of concept video. I was actually interesting about this, and again, this is regardless of what operating system you're using. So it doesn't matter if you're Mac or Linux or BSD or, or um, you know, uh, Windows or whatever. And in fact, actually, the researchers used. Uh, um, an environment called Tails, which is like a, a, a virtualization kind of environment that's usually run from a USB thumb drive. Um, and it, it's supposed to be super secure and kind of isolated. And in this case, what they did is they're visiting a website in a browser and they have this log up. And what's happening is using this vulnerability, they could get an output of what website uh, people were visiting. Okay. And, um, and, and basically like, like, like in real time. So, so basically um, whatever you're doing while this zombie load is triggered can then exactly. be seen. So if I'm on my bank site, for example, or if I'm on Twitter, yes. <laughs> no matter right, what, like, like, like that information right, right, could like, be read. Exactly. Like, yeah. Well, your bank site is a perfect example because they would become able to grab, you know, your passwords or access tokens. So in that case, it's different than, you know, there are exploits that would allow that to happen other ways using SSL if, if the, that wasn't secured correctly or like packet sniffers if you were on like an, an unsecured network if you weren't using a VPN or something where information was being passed in the clear. But this isn't that case, right? This is actually happening like on the system level. So it's like, oh, I think I'm sitting all this stuff in the clear. It's like, well, your network is, is, is you know, is securely. Yeah, well, your network is secure, but this thing on the chip is leaking this information so somebody could evaluate in real time what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not quite the equivalent of like a keylogger, but it, it it's kind of like that. And so, and what um, they stress in the article as well is that it works in the cloud. So it would work in a virtual environment. So it there is that's vulnerable as well. Exactly. So, if, so exactly. So, so, if you're a you know a cloud host like like a you know uh, Microsoft Azure, which obviously is where I I work and what I work on, or you know um, Google Cloud Platform or, or AWS or uh, Linode, uh, one of our sponsors that we you know that you just like did an ad read for, or any of them, they could all be vulnerable too because it it doesn't like differentiate between like desktop or or uh, uh, you know like server, um, and, and the cloud is is potentially more vulnerable because well not more vulnerable but could the implications could be worse because you have how how that works is it's virtualization so you have like one server which is then like made into like 100 mini servers depending on on how much space people have so when mm-hmm. you get like a, a a vps like you have a certain amount of processor a certain amount that's been virtualized a certain amount of you know ram storage whatever and so in that case if that happens you could conceivably view those things happening in all those, you know, virtual environments, if that were happening. Um, now, right now, there haven't been um, uh, any, uh, any you know, attacks, publicly, any confirmed exactly. attacks. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and in fact, like, and, and the, the researchers said that it was easier to exploit the inspector, but more difficult than markdown, uh, meltdown. Uh, 
and that you have to have a you know specific set of skills to, to use it. But you know, because if, if say the code was compiled and an app was delivered as malware, they could run that mm-hmm. attack. And so um, there are definitely easier ways for people to hack to into, get your into your system sh- and do things. Oops, absolutely. And there there are other vulnerabilities and things that even in a virtualized environment, like that, you could you know kind of pop into things and grab stuff. But this is bad because this is at the chip level, right? Like. The, usually when we see these types of vulnerabilities, it's almost always at the software level. When this is happening at the chip level, that that's what makes this, you know, bad and, and kind of um, this series of things unprecedented. And so already patches are out, but yeah. Yeah. What does this say for Intel who is experiencing this, this a series of flaws yet again in their processors? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a problem. Um, I mean, I, I, to me, it kind of represents a, a, an architectural problem. And I don't know enough about hardware design to really be able to comment and chip design specifically to, to know how they can mitigate this. And I imagine what's happening is that there's just so much information and so much caching that they need to do to get people information as quickly as possible that something with the way that they're architecting things just, you know, is, is leaving things open. But I mean, this is not good. And this is especially yeah. not good. Like the past ones, at least you could say, okay, other chipsets were impacted as well, right? This is just their chips. And you already have Intel, you know, they missed mobile completely. They were never able to make any inroads in, in kind of mobile uh, chipsets. They're struggling to kind of get um, the thinner, uh, you know, chips out uh, and the more power friendly chips out um, uh, that, that they're going to need for kind of the next generation. Apple. There are all kinds of rumors that Apple is looking at having, you know, ARM-based um, laptops and potentially even desktops, you know, because they could be faster and more battery efficient and, and whatnot. This certainly doesn't help that, yeah. right? Like, because like, if I'm somebody like, if, if I'm Apple, for instance, who is, again, like, they're, they're not Intel's biggest customer or anything, but they're definitely a big customer. And Apple on their earnings call, uh, I guess it was last week or before, they blamed Intel on why Mac sales were down because really? apparent right because they they weren't able to update the MacBook Air. I guess it took them as long as it took to update it and, and some of the other uh, laptops because Intel's chips that they needed weren't ready. And um, you know Apple tends to kind of base their um, releases on when Intel's chipsets mm-hmm. are ready. And so they're already being like, okay, to get this certain chip that we wanted for the MacBook Air. It took longer than maybe it was anticipated, and maybe they don't have the yields that we would need for these other types of things, and that's you know pushing us back. Maybe they shouldn't rush because they're creating vulnerabilities in their hardware. I mean, maybe, but also at the same time, like this doesn't do anything to like uh, placate Apple, who's like, nope. okay, we're losing money because your chips aren't ready fast enough for the things that your roadmaps are already behind and delayed, and then we. Our, we have our own chip design thing. We design our own chips for phones. Yeah, and now and and, and, and we now can, your and, and, chips and, and, are flawed in all of our computers since two thousand whatever. Well, right, because that's the thing, right? Is it's like Apple. I mean, Samsung's the same way too. Like because ARM is a uh, like a a, um, a license rather than something else. You know, they can like design and kind of, you know, d- design their chips based on kind of a certain specification, you know, or, or kind of a runtime or whatever, but they design and have their own features. And then Apple uses like a chip a company like like Samsung or TPM or whatever to actually manufacture the silicone. But Apple does the design themselves. They bought a company, uh, PA Semi, um, in, uh, in like 2005 or six. And, and that ended up being the basis for like them making their own chips, right? So, 
you know, Apple's like, okay, I can, we can make faster, more efficient. Like they're still, and Apple's yeah. super, super ahead of everybody in the silicone thing. So they're like, okay, well then not only are you behind and are you, you know, costing us money on this end, but we can design our own thing, which we like to do because we're Apple and, and maybe make things faster. And the ARM, you know, standard, like hasn't been vulnerable to these types of, you know, hasn't been vulnerable to these types of things. So I don't know, it's bad for Intel. Bad, bad news. Well, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Direct Mail, an easy-to-use email marketing app designed exclusively for the Mac to help you create and send great-looking email newsletters. Email marketing is still an incredibly cost-effective way to reach your customers and to grow your business. And for the past 15 years, Mac users around the world have trusted the Direct Mail app to handle all of their email marketing needs. It's designed just for the Mac, which means it is fast, it is easy to use, and it works great with the other apps and services that you already use. With Direct Mail, you can have email campaigns sent automatically without you lifting a finger, and you can also save time by integrating over 1,000 other apps and services on your Mac and the web, and you can also get in-depth campaign reports to show you who is reading, clicking, and sharing your newsletters which is what you want to know if you're doing that kind of thing. You got to optimize, my friends. They also have real human live chat customer support available to answer your questions. And Direct Mail is the number one top-rated email marketing app for the Mac with five-star reviews on the App Store, Get App, and elsewhere. It's trusted by small businesses, nonprofits, schools, and Fortune 500 companies alike. Direct Mail is free to download and get started, and listeners of this podcast can save 10% off of all full-feature pricing plans. Head over to directmailmac.com slash rocket to check it out. That's directmail, direct, mail, M-A-I-L, mac, M-A-C, dot com slash rocket to get 10% off when you opt for a full-feature plan. Thank you so much, Direct Mail, for supporting this episode of Rocket and Relay FM. Yay! Thank you, Direct Mail. We got to have some dessert, Christina. We do, but I did want to say one quick thing about the uh, the um, uh, zombie load thing is that um, uploads, uh, not uploads, uh, uh, I guess patches have been released by all the various manufacturers. So if you have like even like a, a Chromebook or if it's mean it's Intel based or, or Windows or Mac or whatever, um, those. Uh, updates have been rolled out and the major cloud providers have updated things as well. I would just say if you're somebody who tends to kind of run something um, like you have your own kind of uh, server, um, whether it's in the cloud or in a colo thing, uh, look to them to see what their process is. If they've upgraded things across the border, if you need to update something within your own configuration, but for regular users, uh, you know, just get the latest update on your system um, because that the, it was part of like the recent, most recent macOS update and, and um, Windows Patch Tuesday too. So we're in the clear. Well, okay, our dessert today is one that is typical of me and Christina. It is YouTuber <sighs> drama. Oh, but it's it, it but it's so much better than that. It's 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 beauty YouTuber drama. Beauty like YouTuber speci- drama. The, yeah. the eye <sighs> of the hurricane of no, that would make it peaceful. The most uh, dramatic part of the hurricane of YouTuber drama. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say because like YouTuber drama in general is amazing, but beauty YouTuber drama is like a whole other. I feel like the entire beauty world runs on interpersonal drama. 
It absolutely does because they have like like they're, they're like there's a whole like subgenre of YouTube channels known as commentary channels, which tends to be like uh, white dudes like complaining about things that that other YouTubers do, and and that stuff is great, right? Like as as you know, kind of like best as a best cultural example. artifact. I mean, as best exemplified by by people like Keemstar and whatnot, who look, you know what? Without him, I would not know all the stuff that's happening, you know, with with the Logan and Jake Pauls of the world and whatnot, right? It's true. But then, in addition to, but then, uh, bl- uh, beauty channels have their own subgenre of that, of, of their own gossip channels. If they call them like tea spilling, like news outlets, right? Where where they they you know get into the drama and whatnot. But this. So, so this is definitely the beauty genre thing, but then it, it was big enough that it made it into the, the, you know, overall commentary aspect. But the New York Times wrote about this. So this yes. has now gone mainstream, mainstream. Like this, I've never seen anything like this in all the years that I've been looking at online dramas. This is pretty amazing. You want to give us some background? I do. So this centers on two beauty bloggers in particular. One is Tati Westbrook, who uh, is a a woman, a 37-year-old woman who has a vitamin company. She's also a beauty blogger. Uh, She's like an OG. Like like she was really early on YouTube doing like makeup tutorials and and she was early on Instagram doing that stuff. She's like a, you know, like an early OG like beauty influencer. Mm -hmm. And the other is James Charles, who is 19. He you might recognize him actually because he was the first male cover girl model um, and he's extremely present online. Uh, He's one of the most popular of like the young generation of beauty bloggers he has i think 16 million youtube subscribers or did, or he did. had <laughs> the operative word there uh basically what has happened in some inexplicable turn of events that is so so mundane that it delights me is yes, that so good. toddy westbrook who is considered a former mentor to james charles posted a video calling him out for being like two-faced and supporting uh, a supplement company which she considers a betrayal of her friendship because she runs a vitamin company um and then james charles posted a video uh the the quintessential no makeup apology video um which has 40 million views where he's crying but but no tears crying but beautifully yes a la every apology yeah, there was a there was a previous beauty blogger scandal that we didn't cover between uh, Laura Lee and um, some other people, um, Manny MUA and 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 other people. And Laura Lee like famously like had this crying like apology video, but like no tears were coming out of her yeah. eyes. And everybody was like, "This is so fake." This is like worse than that. This and th- this entire so this is basically. The situation in a nutshell, uh, after after the videos were posted, James Charles started losing followers. I think he's lost three million followers as of when this article was written. Um, and that that that's it, folks, folks, that's it. Like James Charles has done some stuff before, like he said things and he's been like yeah. kind of a little a little he's, butthole he's on pro- Twitter. But this is specifically because a 37 year old woman who is his former mentor was like, He's promoting vitamins that aren't my vitamins. Well, no, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that, right? Because it wasn't just that he was promoting stuff. Like she, like made. I thought I- I'm totally team Toddy here. Okay, here's he's he's lost like three million followers. She's gained like four million. It's kind of insane. That's like ridiculous. everybody's unsubscribing. 
like like she's now over 10 million um uh, on YouTube and she was like I think like under she was under 6 when the whole thing started uh like it's crazy like I've never seen anything like it where cuz usually what happens is that somebody um you know a nobody ever loses as many subscribers as James Charles has ever lost like ever yeah but the person calling them out never gains all the subscribers ever yeah and like, this she's is, gained more subscribers than he lost what's nuts to me is that like losing three million followers holy crap that's that's incredible that still leaves him with 13 million followers oh yeah but he's he's potentially losing like makeup deals and losing yeah you know like jeffree star who's like the godfather of this whole community who's a friend of toddy's and had been a friend of James's, but apparently he's been mad at him for a while. Like Jeffree Star's company did his merch apparently. And so now it appears that that's been dropped. All the famous people that James used to collab with, like the Kardashians. They're all unfollowing him on Instagram. And yeah, I mean, God, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, part of me, I don't want to like come down too hard on a kid who's 19, right? That's the thing that I, that I think gets me about this is that like, Yes, you should absolutely, like, not take advantage of whatever friendships that you form uh, in your career with more powerful people. You should not take advantage of those, and you should be respectful of people. But also, for once, I find myself agreeing with PewDiePie, (laughs) who said, uh, like, Toddy is 37 years old, James Charles is still a teenager, and for a mother figure to just completely drag this kid, um, it's... It's weird. It's a weird look. Like, in no other world would this happen. It's specifically because they're both beauty bloggers. Like, if if two people of these ages had a problem in any other context, like, it would be handled so differently than this. Well, you're right. But I, but I, but I wonder, like, but where's the distinction? Like, if he was 20, if he was 21, like, would that make it different? Because to me, I mean, he's young. And like, that's why, like, I don't want to, like, I, I don't, like, Feel like I feel like some of the stuff people are doing is is overboard, but at the same time, he goes on and on. And part of this again is part of being young. But like he's really made a whole point of himself being like I'm a business guy and I'm mature and I've aged. You know, I've matured so much faster than all my peers, and I'm 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 so this and that, and I have my my ish together. Um, and and then he's just like flat out lying about certain kind of like business things. And and I mean I understand. I, I don't know. I look at her perspective. I'm like I don't feel like she. And I might be projecting here, but I look at this. I don't think that when she made the video that she made, she had any idea that it would get to like 46 million views and that she would wind up doubling her subscriber base, like at all. Like, I think that if you looked at her previous kind of stuff, and if you even looked at like the typical like beauty blogger drama stuff, it'd be like, okay, you're calling him out. You're going to maybe gain some subs. People might unsubscribe from him and it's going to blow over. But like this didn't, right? And and part of it might just be because he has been so popular and then it became like a meme to like, you know, unfollow and the other people kind of, you know, like Jeffree Stars of the World kind of came out too. But like, you know, I think what, I don't know. I, I took from her, I think that she was genuinely, I don't think it was just that he like did the promo for the competitor. It was like, he did that. He kind of lied to her about it. He lied about the kind of the rationale. And this was after, like, she'd been like a mother figure to him. Her husband had like negotiated business deals for him. They 
convinced people to work with him. Like they, you know, she'd given him shout outs for years. Like she'd done a lot for him. And I think what pushed her over the edge, and this is hilarious because this wasn't even really James's fault. James, she she did like the natural thing, which is when she saw it, like she did like the Instagram story where she was emotional and people were kind of actually ne- were had the PewDiePie opinion, right? They were like, get over it. It's not a big deal. And then this dude who's not even involved in any of it, this other beauty blogger starts calling her out and like calling her, telling her that she's like not allowed to be upset about this. And she's like, okay, cool. Well, let's lay it all out there. Um, and then that's what ended up taking off. I think the other thing that is notable here, and and I don't want to get too into this part, but it is part of why so many people are unsubbing because it's not just the beauty drama, is that he'd had this other stuff where James Charles is gay and he's been very public about the fact that he likes what he calls like straight boys. And there have been like leaked DMs and other things. And then and Toddy kind of alluded to this too, where he will kind of go after maybe like, guys who are maybe questioning or maybe fluid or maybe not or whatever, hook up with them or try to hook up with them, you know, fly them out. And then if they come out and they're like to him, I think you're a great person, but I'm not into you that way. He will get really like negative and mean and almost like threaten to, you know, like out them and, and, and get like really just like hostile and, and, you know, um, manipulative right this entire thing is just why normal people should never be put in positions of power with no institutions to hold them accountable (laughs) oh i 1000 percent agree actually this was i thought this was actually toddy's best point is that she was like talking about how she'd met his parents and that his mother was like thank you for being a mother to my sons or whatever and then like the mom is liking shady comments aimed at Toddy before this what? video came out. Yeah, the mom is like on Instagram Are and shit, like serious? liking comments, like like Toddy should get over it. And so Toddy's like, yeah, so you can have your sons back. Now you need to step in and you need to be in Los Angeles and taking care of them. And I'm going to be honest, like that's a really good point. Like that if my is kid, a really good point, if, yeah. If my kid was 19, I live across the country, he's getting millions and millions of dollars, has, you know, tens of millions of, of fans across platforms is blowing up, is selling $500 VIP tickets for to see him on tour, which I'm sorry, what is he doing? Like, he can't sing. And like, are you going to watch him do makeup tutorials? Like, I don't I, I don't understand the yeah. point. But he's literally charging $500 for VIP stuff. Like, that's like more than like what like Beyonce charges for VIP stuff, right? What? Like, And I'm sorry, James Charles, you're not Beyonce. Like, you're not. Um, Then maybe, maybe like if, I don't know, maybe like, instead of being like, oh, how dare this this adult woman like talk down to, to this teenager? Okay, well, where's this teenager's mom, right? That's what I'm saying. Like in any other scenario, if it were like a workplace scenario, there would be mediation. If it were like your kid's friend's your kid's friend who was like being naughty, you would go to the mom and there's no other adults in this situation. And I think it's weird. Well, that's what I'm saying. There aren't. And, and the mom is like, you know, being shady. And it's like, okay, you know, so, <laughs> um, I mean, he's, he's legally an adult, so you can't be like, oh, well, well his parents should be there. But I'm also like, I don't know, I, I'm not a parent, but I'd like, I'd like to think that if I was, and if I was in like this sort of situation, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, my, my teenager has blown up to be super famous overnight and has millions and millions of, of followers and is making money hand over fist. And, uh, nobody is watching out for him. I'd be like, yeah, so we're going to, we don't have to live together, but we're going to live in the same city and I'm going to like keep an eye on things. Mm-hmm. Like, again, I, I always go back to this, like Taylor Swift's parents, they 
did a really good job. Like, <laughs> like honestly. Yeah, yeah they did. I mean, I mean, you know, because... They were present. Yeah. They were completely present. Not only that, but like, I mean, okay, it helps like her dad is like a, a, a stockbroker. Her mom was I worked for a, an investment bank too. And, you know, they definitely did not let her get into bad contracts. But like also they, the, it they definitely, go to every tour, even to this day. Taylor Swift is 30 and her mom yeah. is like in every single show. Like, yeah, that definitely doesn't apply to every parent because obviously bad showbiz parents are a dime a dozen Oh, no, most of them are bad, yeah. right? But, like, I'm just saying, like, I think that's an example of, okay, you have a really talented teenager. Uh, and and it also, in fairness, Taylor Swift's parents, like, they moved to Nashville for her so that she could be famous. But they, like, didn't just be like, oh, cool, yeah, go do your thing. We're going to milk this. They're like, no, we're going to make sure that yeah, no one gonna takes advantage of you. Yeah, we're going to structure this. <laughs> we're going to make sure no one takes advantage of you. And also that you don't become, you know, a, an asshole, <laughs> like yeah oh my because God. you don't have any accountability no i don't know i i love this whole thing so much i was explaining this to my husband last night and he was like oh my god like i just i love that the new york times had to write about this that's just my favorite thing can i read you my favorite paragraph of the new york times article yes please it, it's this it's an explainer on receipts receipts are a commodity in this world Not literal receipts that are printed after a purchase, but metaphorical (gasps) receipts in the form of digital records that are supposed to prove innocence or guilt. These often manifest as screenshots of private conversations, photos, or videos. When public fights break out, receipts are quote-unquote stacked, and eventually, someone is cancelled. Yes. It's extremely good. I've never read a mainstream explainer of receipts before, but I love it. No, I love it so much. Also, my favorite thing is that this whole thing started, I guess, or ended. I I think this was like the final straw of a lot of things that had built up. But because he was at Coachella and he didn't have artist passes and he claimed he was being mobbed by fans. So he like texted another influencer who texted this company who then happened to have some. And then he was like, oh, I'll do a story for them if they give me a band. Again, he's like 19. And he's at like, he wants like these, these expensive artist passes. And, but he's a millionaire. It's like, dude, he's like, oh, I needed security. It's like, no, dude, like you, you just want like, security. <laughs> exactly. Also, also, let's be real. No, you probably weren't being mobbed. You just didn't want to be around the plebs, which like, look, cool. I get it. But you're a millionaire. You can buy your own artist badge. Like, like you, you, you can find connections other ways and you can be like, okay, here's however much money like I need for this and I can go backstage. Yeah, he definitely seems like a... He, 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 wanted yeah, it for free. Yeah. he wanted it for free, which is cool. And he wanted to do a promo, which is cool. It's just like, if you're going to do that, just like a lesson for all of us, just like give your friends who might be a direct competitor of that company, just be like, yo, so I'm going to do this thing. I know it's kind of but like, I'm going to do it. And yeah, because I, yeah, I don't think there's any problem with that at all. No, I think what it was is that she was like blindsided by it. And then he like tried to turn it into a situation that it wasn't. And again, look, he's 19. I will be interested to see what like, so I don't, I don't want to be too hard on him. Although I love the drama so much. I am curious, like if there's going to be a backlash to the backlash. Yeah. I mean, from everyone I know, just hates James Charles a lot. So I'm not sure if there's like a, another like loud contingent i mean obviously there are like at least 13 million people who are like either ambivalent or fans um but i'm not sure if the they'll become as noisy as the people who hate him 
Yeah. And I, I wonder part of this too, I think that this was just like the perfect time. Like there'd been all this bubbling kind of resentment and like anger and like annoyance with him. I think he'd gotten overexposed. Yeah. Again, kind of like Taylor Swift was in 2016. And I think people were just like looking for something to like jump on. And that's why maybe it took off. And then it, became like a meme in and of itself. And I'm not actually sure. Maybe it was just a slow Friday, except I don't, there was terrible things happening in the world. This was definitely more entertaining. Yeah. Um, That's why I watched Tati's like 43 minute video. And I was like, 43 minutes. How do people talk for that long? Thank you. I'm with you. But I watched it and I've watched (laughs) multiple like videos that are at least that long about other stuff and in explaining it. And I'm like, what what am I doing with my life? I want to go back and watch Bon Appetit videos because Bon Appetit is the only YouTube channel that I truly stand. Bon Appetit is great and everyone should watch them. Yeah, honestly, like I'm in love with Claire and and and, uh, but I love them all. Actually, I love everybody in the Bon Appetit uh, uh, like channel, like that's my favorite. That's my comfort food. But we should probably wrap this up. So we, we can... should. We should. I was just going to say, though, like, but, but yeah, but this I've never seen anything like this. It's, it's but thank you, New York Times, for explaining receipts to mainstream audience. That's maybe my my, my favorite thing. It's truly wonderful. Uh, this episode of Rocket is also brought to you by ExpressVPN. Sometimes cybercrime seems like something from the movies. But you listen to Rocket, so you know that it's not. <laughs> Stealing data using Never public Wi-Fi is an easy way for bad guys to make money. And it happens to normal people like me and like you all the dang time. If you leave your internet connection unencrypted, your passwords and credit card numbers could be vulnerable. But there's something that you can do to protect yourself from cyber criminals. Start using ExpressVPN. Not <laughs> tomorrow or sometime next week today hang on i'm gonna sit up because i need to i need to get my full diaphragm open expressvpn works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing it encrypts your data and hides your public ip address bingo with it does that through easy to use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your device you can turn on expressvpn protection with just one click and then you're free to safely surf public wi-fi without being snooped on or having your personal data stolen. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar, and it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Christina, how do you use yes. ExpressVPN? Yeah, no, so when I'm when I'm in airports or hotels or, uh, you know, uh, just public places in general in other countries where I don't know what the security system might be or might not be. Because, like, that's the thing. Like, outside of the United States, it's kind of weird. Like, Wi-Fi is almost ubiquitous in public places, which is awesome. But then you're like, okay, but is this secure or am I sending stuff out there that could be sniffed in and that I don't necessarily want to be picked up on, right? So it makes it really useful. I'm actually going to be in India next week. And so I will be very happy to have my VPN when I'm in India so that I don't have to worry about, you know, again, being like identity thieved when I'm in, uh, when I'm like 18,000 miles away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good stuff. Yeah. Well, if you're interested in living the life of Christina Warren, you can for less than $7 a month. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep your data safe, you totally need ExpressVPN, especially if you're traveling. So, and you can get it by going to expressvpn.com rocket to learn more. 
Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash rocket. That's again, E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash rocket for three months free with a one-year package. Thank you so much, ExpressVPN, for supporting Rocket and Relay FM. Yay! Christina, what are you doing this week? So um, I'm a... a gonna go and like record a video for work um uh kind of covering all like a recap of some of the build news and some of the other stuff that happened and then on saturday i uh take off for india which is a process because it is 12 hours and 30 minutes in the future but it is also a very far way away so between the i'm first flying to los angeles then i'm flying to doha then i'm flying to mumbai from there so it will take me about 29 hours to get to, to Mumbai. And then because there's an election next week, I am leaving early. So unfortunately, I'm only going to have three days in Mumbai. And then I will be traveling oh my 29 God. hours back. So I will be traveling for basically the same amount of time that I will be there. Christina, that's awful. But this is like the, the cherry on the Sunday of your travel season, right? This is. This is. This is this is the final uh, stop of the 2018 to 2019 Microsoft Ignite, the tour stop. Um, and uh, we will be kicking things off, I think, in December to for next year. But I'm not going to be going. I'm not going to be traveling as much next year. I will be doing uh, a number of cities, but I won't be doing um, as many as I did this year. So, yeah, this is I'm after that. I'm 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 like not leaving the country for a while or at least the plans. Um, I'm also very excited because I'm playing Kadar uh, 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 um, Airways in their uh, Q suite yeah. to uh, to India. So uh, check out my Instagram story because this is supposed to be like the best business class product in the sky. I've never flown it before. So um, I'm very excited about that. So if you'd like my hotel tours, I'm going to do that, but like on the airplane. So oh, I can't wait. I just wish you would hit the the last continents on your list that you haven't gotten to yet. I know. I, I got five out of seven. So I missed Antarctica and I missed um, uh, Africa. But there's there's always next year. Next year. All right. What am I doing this week? Uh, I am, oh, we're wrapping up this project. And I the uh, videos uh, with Adam Conover and T-Pain and Marcus Scribner. We have one more going up on Monday. And I'm so excited to have it out there. Um, and then I'm just prepping for E3, honestly, because I'm I'm the video boss now, and there's a oh, shit ton of stuff to do. Um, video boss, video boss. But this weekend, baby, I'm going to be watching Eurovision as I do, and I can't nice. wait. I can't wait. It's the best weekend of the year. Okay, so I'm going to be landing in Mumbai at like 2:40 in the morning on like Monday morning in Mumbai, and at first I was freaking out because I was like. I'll have missed the Game of Thrones finale. <gasps> but but because of the time zone difference, I'll actually get there a little bit before. Oh, my so, God. So with the power of technology, I will find a way to get HBO Go now, whatever, working. So that because at first I was really freaking out. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to have Wi-Fi on this plane. And if I land after 30 hours of like no or limited Wi-Fi and the Game of Thrones series finale, like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with the internet at that point. But um, I will just instead arrive very early, probably stay awake, watch the Game of 
Thrones finale and then just be like, okay, goodbye, Twitter. I'm not paying any attention to you. I'll see you tomorrow, right? Like, that's going to probably be my plan. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so... I'm definitely going to watch it, too. I I haven't been really keeping up, but... It's a cultural event. It's a cultural event. Like, that's the thing, right? It's like, no, like, I want to be invited to the party. (laughs) Precisely. So, yeah, so that and Eurovision. uh, Yeah, Eurovision is always the best. Yeah. Well, uh, where can we find you online, Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And like I said, I will be using the Instagram story feature to, uh, give uh, tours of things that I do. And also you can find the videos that I do at work, um, including all of our stuff from Microsoft Build at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar. And you can find my videos at youtube.com slash Polygon. Um, So subscribe to that and watch our stuff. Guys, also, if you like this podcast, please review it on Apple Podcasts because that is really helpful for us or share it with a friend so that they can hear the good stuff too. This episode of Rockets is terminated. 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 Oh, supportbrianna.com. <laughs> <laughs>